All right, so last week we finished week 10 of our action series. If you have not been with us, we've been in the book of James for a few months now, and we've taken a, a couple breaks here or there. We are going to take a break now for Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, so we're going to pick up in James in January. Uh, so uh, if you've missed part of that series, you can always go online on the app and listen to those series. We have both podcasts and a video cast. Uh, podcast from Great Falls and a video cast from Bozeman. If you're a guest with us and you don't know, we're, we're one church in, in two locations. Bozeman is the mothership, and then we are a, a campus of the Bozeman Connect Church. And actually, they're moving today. They're moving into their new facility, so that's going to be really exciting. Uh, they're going to start their services next, next week there. And it reminds me of last year for us because we were down at Machinery Row in the basement, then we moved to the second floor, and last December is when we moved into here. So it's kind of exciting that they're moving into their new facility, and a year ago we were moving into ours. So yeah, <coughs> yeah, that's pretty neat. So like I said, we'll pick it up uh, in January, uh, James, but today I want to just talk about thankful, thankfulness. I mean, we just got done with Thanksgiving. We're technically in a Thanksgiving weekend until after today. So, uh, but to start everything off, I want to show you a video from my favorite movie. Go ahead and hit the lights and, and roll that video. Look, I'm sure it's delicious. I just don't understand why we can't see Yoda now. Patience! For the Jedi, it is time to eat as well. Hmm? <laughs> eat! <laughs> eat! How far away is Yoda? Will it take us long to get there? Not far. Yoda, not far. <laughs> Patience, soon you will be with him. Good leap. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> Why wish you become Jedi? <laughs> Mostly because of my father, I guess. Ah, father? How for Jedi was he? How <laughs> for Jedi? Oh, come on. How could you know my father? You don't even know who I am. No, I don't even know what I'm doing here. We're wasting our time. I cannot teach him. The boy has no patience. He will learn patience. Hmm. <sighs> Much anger in him. Like his father. Was I any different when you taught me? is not ready. Yoda. I am ready. I, Ben, I, I can be a Jedi. Ben, tell him I'm re ready. Ready, are you? What knows you ready? For 800 years have I trained Jedi. I don't count too well. I keep on who is to be trained. A Jedi must have the deepest commitment. Hmm? The most serious mind. This one, a long time have I watched. All his life has he looked away to the future, to the horizon. Never his mind on where he was. Hmm? What he was doing. All right, Master Yoda has given us some really good information there. I, I know the audio was a little bit low. I apologize for that. But what he was saying is that Luke was not concentrating 
on where he was at. Luke was always looking towards the future. He wasn't concerned with where he was at or what he was doing. Every time I see that scene, it reminds me to ask myself a question. And I'm going to ask you guys a question today. And the question is, are you content? Are you content? Contentment. I have the definition here on the screen. Contentment is satisfied with who one is or what one has, not always wanting more, basically being fulfilled. So are you content? Do you have a sense of fulfillment today? You know, many times, uh, for each one of us, it seems like at different times in our lives, we want, we want more. If we're young, we want to be older. If we're old, der, we want to be younger. That's evident with me passing 50 a couple years ago. Uh, the mind still tells me I can do everything I can when I was 20. And you know what? I can, but it takes me four times the amount of time to recover from it. If we have $100, we want 200 If we have 200 we want 5 If we have an apartment, we want a house. If we have a house, we want a nicer house, a bigger house, maybe a house in a different neighborhood. Or as we age, maybe we want to sell our house and get a condo or a townhouse or move back into an apartment. We want to downsize. If we have a job, we dream of a better job, a nicer job, with working with nicer people. We want more benefits. Maybe I want more vacation time. If you're single, maybe you dream of being married. And if you're married, well, I'm just going to let you finish that sentence. (laughs) You're content and you're thankful that you're married, right? There you go. Contentment versus discontentment. Thankfulness versus ungratefulness. Many times that's where the tension lies in our lives. And it can be a problem. You know, ever since the beginning of time, (laughs) there's always been someone unhappy about their place in the universe. And if I think back in the Bible, well, the angel, Lucifer, was very discontent with his status as being the most brilliant angel that there ever was in charge of worship. He was the apex of God's angel creation. But you know what? He was not happy with that. He wanted something more. So he tried to overthrow God, and and then he himself got thrown out of heaven, him and all the other angels that were trying to overthrow the Lord. And you can find that in the Bible. It was discontentment and pride that made him do it. And discontentment has been one of his weapons he's used ever since. If you think back in the Garden of Eden, That's something that he tried to cultivate and was successful at cultivating in Eve's heart. Telling her that, you know, the Lord had was holding out. The Lord was was holding out on her and there was something more and, and he didn't want her to be like God and all this other stuff. And it was just a lie. It was stirring up that discontentment. And she ate from the tree and gave it to Adam, and Adam was right there by her side and ate as well, and then sin entered humanity. I mean, that's the beginning story all the way back in Genesis. Discontentment 
leads to ungratefulness, which eventually leads to sin or disobedience. But thankfulness, thankfulness leads somewhere else. And that's going to be the main theme of what I want to talk about here with us this morning. If you uh, are taking notes, uh, also you can do the notes on our app as well. It's really neat. You can take notes and then email them to yourself. The big idea for today, or the main point, is a thankful heart leads to a fulfilled life. A thankful heart leads to a fulfilled life. Now, now notice that doesn't say perfect life, right? It, it says a fulfilled life, and those things are, are totally different. And we're going to talk about that. So are you thankful? Are you thankful for where you are, for what you are doing? Or maybe are you thankful for where you're headed? If not, you may fall into the discontentment camp. And I want to talk a little bit about discontentment in the beginning of our teaching here and then move into thankfulness after that. It's not unusual for us to be discontented. It seems like we're born with a little bit of discontent in our lives. But the problem is that some of us stay in that discontentment camp forever. And it becomes a big problem. It becomes a big problem if you are always feeling that discontentedness. If that's not a word, I just made it up. Now, I'm not talking about the small, healthy amount of discontent that you know, we can have in our lives, which is fine, because having that small little bit of discontent, it, it propels us to follow after our dreams. It propels us to, to do things in our, in our life and so I'm not talking about being a slug and, and just doing nothing and saying, well, I'm content. This is it. I'm just going to put it on cruise control for the next 30 years. No, I'm not talking about that. A little healthy discontentment is, is good. It's a healthy drive, and that little bit motivates us to move forward, keeps us working, inventing, striving, innovating, creating, but there is a kind of discontent that leads us in the wrong direction. And that's what I want to focus on here today. And there's five signs that this type of discontentment is dragging us down spiritually. The first one is envy. The first one is envy. Are you able to rejoice with others? I mean, that's a good question to ask. And if you're able to rejoice with others, even when maybe, you know, things aren't great in your life, then that's a good place to be. But if you can't rejoice with others, if you're always thinking to yourself, man, that should be me. Man, that's the envy that can really grip your heart and really turn your heart into being pretty bitter. That's the one sign that that's the type of discontentment that's dragging you away spiritually. The second thing is uncontrolled ambition. Now, it's good to have a little bit of ambition, right? You know, like I said, a little bit of that is healthy. kind of keeps us moving forward, keeps us creating, innovating, you know, not being stagnant in our lives, whether in your career or just even personally, relationally. But do you have a desire to win at all costs? I'm not talking about board games. <laughs> I'm talking about life. Hey, healthy competition is good. I like to win at board games, all right? But are you... Do you have that desire to win at all costs, no matter what it takes or who gets trampled in the process? 
That's a problem. That's uncontrolled ambition. The third sign of discontentment that leads you and drags you away spiritually is critical spirit. Now, these next couple, I think, are critical. I mean, they're key. Having a critical spirit. Do you have a tendency to make negative, hurtful, cutting remarks about others? I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you just think them. (laughs) That's still a critical spirit. You know, on Wednesday, Gene and I are part of an elders connection group. And like I made mention, we're one church in two locations. And so there's elders in the Bozeman campus. And so we do it uh, via FaceTime. And something we've been learning uh, through the book that we've been reading is we need to be people that encourage and uplift one another. We need to be people that can encourage and uplift one another. Because part of our responsibility as Christians and, and you know, as Christian leaders, I, I would speak to uh, more importantly, and not, not any less important for anybody that's not a leader, but as in a leadership capacity, what we need to do is try to mine the gold that's in each one of us. Have you ever thought about that? We're not here just to go through life and, okay, yeah, I'm saved. I believe in Jesus. Great, that's it. No, we're here to mine the gold that is in each one of us because you know what? Life's pretty despicable sometimes. We each need encouraging. Every one of us needs some uplifting. And what God has designed is that the body of Christ, the church, right? This is a building. This isn't the church. We are the church. When we leave here, this is just a building. We're the church. We go out into the community, and we rub shoulders with each other throughout the week. We need to encourage each other and uplift each other, not be critical and have a critical spirit. That will lead you down a road you don't want to go. And then the next thing is a complaining spirit. That's number four. If you're ever around people long enough and, and all they do is complain, all they do is mope around, and all they do is look at the negative things of life, you know that they have a measure of discontentment in their spirit, which isn't good. It's going to lead them down a road of negativity. That's awful. I mean, don't get me wrong. Each one of us can complain about a billion things in our lives, right? Sometimes we dwell on it. Sometimes it's a fleeting thought. But for those of us that can get past that quickly, and say, hey, you know what? Things aren't perfect, but you know what? God has blessed me, and I am thankful, and I'm just pressing on. That's where we need to be. Complaining spirit is sometimes a refusal to take personal responsibility for things that you've created in your own life. We tend to look and pass the buck to circumstances and and other things instead of taking that responsibility and saying, hey, you know what? I can make some changes in my life. It's the inability to be thankful for what we already have. A complaining spirit. The last one I want to talk about is outbursts of anger. That's the fifth thing that will tell you if you are discontent in your life to a point to where it's dragging you down spiritually. Are you speaking angry words because your expectations aren't met? I mean, I don't know. What what is it for you? But outbursts of anger is going to lead you down a road of discontentment, which will lead to bitterness, which will take you very far from where God wants you to be. 
Now, just one of these things operating in our lives can cause problems. Multiple of these operating in our lives is, is a train wreck. A discontented person says, I deserve something better than this, and they're never happy, they're never satisfied. And they drag others into the bog that they themselves are living in. You know, Gene and I were over in Ireland a few years ago, and we were on uh, Akel Island where the bogs are. And they have bogs there, and what they do is they use some of that bog to actually um, heat their homes and stuff. It's really interesting. But when you go over there, it's just all dead. I mean, it's decayed things. And so if you are living in the camp of discontentment in your life, that's where you're living. You're living in the bog. You're living in a decayed state. And God does not want that. You know, one of our founding fathers, Ben Franklin, has a great quote. Go ahead and bring it up. Contentment makes a poor man rich. Discontent makes a rich man poor. That is so true. Discontentment can eat away at our joy. It can corrode our happiness. It destroys our outlook on life. It really does. It produces a lens of the soul in which all we can see is negative. We can't see positive or be thankful for anything. That's what discontentment can do. So how, how do we overcome this devastating condition? It's a crippling condition, really. Well, when I was preparing for this message, my mind went to Jeremiah 29, and there's a lot of good stuff in Jeremiah. I just want to hit on a few verses as we go through. Now, Jeremiah never uses the word discontentment or discontent, but it is prevalent in what he is saying. So turn to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet, uh, and he was instructed by the Lord to write this letter to those that were in captivity in Babylon. The Israel nation was in Babylon for a period of time, and they were basically held captive there, or they were slaves living in Babylon. And Jeremiah 29.4 is where I'm going to start. It says this. It says, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Now, I want to stop there because that can trip us up a little bit with that phraseology, it says that the Lord has exiled them into Babylon. You know, there's many things that contribute to our situations in life. Here it says that the God actually exiled this nation into Babylon. But I don't want you guys to get distracted with that. Don't think that this is the same reason for each of the situations we find in our lives. It's not. Sometimes, like it says here, God will do certain things. Like a loving father disciplines his child, the Lord needed to discipline the nation of Israel because of how far they had taken from the plan that he originally had for them and the things that he needed that nation to take care of. And so what he did is he orchestrated these events and they were held captive. But remember, that's not the reason for each one of our situations we find ourselves in our lives. I mean, it might be, but God is sovereign. That's what we know. And we know that God does not go against free will. Your free will or somebody else's free will. 
So sometimes things in our lives we experience are the consequences of our free will and the consequences of our bad decisions. Sometimes there are situations in our lives that we experience because it's the consequences of other people's choices too. So I wanted to make sure I talked about this plainly because I don't want us to think that God is bringing all these things into your life, maybe that you're dealing with or the problems that you have. That's not, that's not it. That's Reformed theology is what that's called. And we don't believe in re- Reformed theology here at Connect. We believe that there is free will. And we believe that there are consequences to sin, the free will that you have and the free will that I have and then the free will that everybody has. But what I want us to focus on is really what happens next. What happens next is amazing. And you'll hear a loving father come through, even though the captives were exiled in Babylon. This is what God says in verse 5. He says, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren. Multiply, exclamation point. Do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for for it, for its welfare of the city, because that determines your own welfare. Man, I love how God paints this picture of a loving father. And I'm sure that as they were going through this, that this Israelite nation wasn't real happy with what was going on. But what God is telling them here in this moment is, I can be thankful in my present circumstance. I can be thankful in my present circumstance, and so can you. You can be thankful. I'm sure the Jewish exiles were were feeling abandoned. They were feeling rejected unloved, discouraged, and forgotten. And I know for each one of us, we've had those feelings in our lives as well. You know, they might have wanted God to say something like, hey man, hold tight. I know where you're at. Don't worry. In about 70 years, you're going to be let free. But you know, just keep your heads down. Don't talk to anybody. Just stay put and you're good to go. He didn't say that though. That's not what God's advice was. He said it's important that you make the best of your situation. He told them to build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat. Marry and have sons and daughters and then have them get married. Let your children have children. Increase in number. Don't decrease. Increase in number. That's powerful imagery. And that's what God is saying to each one of us here today. Basically, what he's saying is bloom where you're planted. So bloom where you're planted. You may not like where you're at, but you know what? That really doesn't matter. Live life to the fullest while you're here, wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself in life. In every hard situation, we have to face the same question. Are we going to complain or are we going to get busy about it and do what God wants us to do? I choose to do what God wants me to do. God says, man, you're in Babylon now. Make the best of it. Don't complain. Don't mope. 
Don't spend your days pining away for Jerusalem. Don't waste a single moment looking back on what used to be or what could have been. Use your energies to make your life better now. And I think that's really good advice. That's what God was telling that nation so many years ago. And I really believe that's what God is telling us to do here today, this morning. It's always easy and it's many times dangerous to play the what if game. If only I get married, then I'll be happy. If only I can get that new job, then I'll be happier. If only I graduate from college, have children, retire to Florida, make more money. If only I can do this one last thing, then I'll be happy. But life doesn't work that way. You know, Mel Gibson is, you know, he's been in the news in the recent years for for negative things, but he was on a talk show not too long ago, and he was talking about his rehab stint from alcohol addiction. And this is what Mel Gibson said. He goes, you can't live in the future. That's a bad place to live. You have to live in the present, not the past or not the future. He's talking about living. He's not talking about planning. I think we should you know, plan for the future. I think we should learn from the past. But he's talking about living. He says, live in the present. Live each day as its own thing. The Apostle Paul had a healthy outlook on this as well. In Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read a few verses, verses 10 through 13. But before I do that, you may not know, but the Apostle Paul went through many catastrophes after he came to know who Jesus was. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was beat, thrown in prison a whole bunch of times. So a man who is going through all of this for several years writes this. He says, how I praise the Lord. He's talking to the church at Philippi. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me out. And then he says, not that I needed any help. What? Paul? Dude, you were shipwrecked. You've been in prison. You didn't need any help? No, he says he didn't need any help. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or how to live with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, whether it is with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That was Paul's outlook on life. That's crazy to me. After everything that he, and if you don't know his full story, you can read it in the book of Acts. There's all kinds of stuff out there on Paul and what he went through. A thankful heart leads to a fulfilled life. That's what Paul was talking about. Was his life perfect? No. But was it fulfilled? Absolutely. Why? Because he had a thankful heart. He gave thanks to the Lord for every situation he found himself in. One key for battling discontentment or ungratefulness in our lives is to make the most of our present circumstances. And I want to keep reading back in Jeremiah, starting at verse 10. 
This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised you, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Doesn't that sound like a loving father? Absolutely. He has plans, he has a future, and he has hope for each one of us. That's encouraging. That's enough to be thankful for today. I can be thankful because I know that God has not forgotten me. And he has not forgotten you. We can be thankful knowing that he has not forgotten us. We think or we feel sometimes like maybe God has abandoned us because of the maybe situations or the problems we have in our lives. You know, I think many times it's when we try to rely on our own strength and don't try to rely upon God's strength. And Because in his word, he says that he will help us with our burdens and he will make them light in our lives. Is he going to take them away? Well, no, not necessarily, not all the time. Sometimes he might, yes. But what he will do is he will shoulder the burden with us and help us through as we rely upon him. I think the thing, you know, we get spiritually and physically tired sometimes, but remember God does not. God does not get tired. That's awesome. He doesn't run out of resources. He never runs out of love, grace, or mercy for you or for me. Or he never runs out of solutions for our problems. I don't know if you've been, if you've experienced that in your life, but if you walk with the Lord for any length of time, you understand that he gives us solutions to our problems. Spiritually, it'll, it'll be a door that opens up for you or a thought that's put in your heart and put into your mind by the Lord on how to, figure this thing out. It's happened to me a bunch of times as I've been praying. And then miraculously, I understand the situation and I have the issue or the, the, the answer to the problem. Or maybe it's in a dream. It's amazing. I've talked to some people that, man, they're dealing with this problem, this issue, and they go to sleep and, and in the middle of the dream, they figure it out and they wake up and they're like, wow, that was amazing. God works that way. He really does. Remember, God never gets tired. He never runs out of things to do for you. I want to look at verse 12 one more time. It says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look to me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. That's amazing. That's his promise to us. If we seek him, if we try to find him or try, maybe try to find a solution to our problem, the Lord promises that he will be found by us. He invites us to seek him. I think that's great. He invites us to seek him. God knows and understands what we're going through many times better than what we understand it. He knows what you need to get through it. 
And he wants to provide that comfort and that strength for you to get through your situations in life. He cares about the details, big and small. Man, that's the God that we serve. I want to make mention, too, that God has seen us through our circumstances in life. Wherever you're at right now, God has seen you. And if you think back, God has helped you get to where you are right now. So why would he fail you now? Why would he not be faithful to follow things through and to see you through the next event in your life or the next problem or the next issue or the next situation? God is our source of strength. He's our source of hope and provision for us in our lives. We can remain calm and secure knowing that we are in his hands. That's what he's telling us here this morning. There's nothing too hard for God. I like this thought. He is crafting our lives. He will complete and fulfill every promise that he has made to you. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's at the end of time. It's at the end of your life. Or if it's before your life is over, if Jesus returns, that's when it happens. But God makes the promise here that he will continue to work in and through you until the end of this life. Man, that gives me a lot of confidence in my life. So we can be thankful. You can be thankful for where you are. You can be thankful uh, what your circumstances are. You can bloom where you're planted. We can be thankful and remember that God has not forgotten us. We have a future and a hope. We are thankful in these present circumstances. And we can cultivate a thankful heart because it leads to a fulfilled life. Cultivate a thankful heart because it will lead to a fulfilled life. Which This brings us to a very important spiritual truth before we wrap it up. The only thing that truly matters is knowing Jesus. That's the first thing. That's where all this stuff starts. It's through him that we grow closer to God day by day. If you know Jesus, then you can say this verse in Ephesians with confidence. Ephesians 1.3 All praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Man, you're a child of God. If Jesus is your Savior, you are a child of God. And I love this verse because it talks about every blessing in the heavenly realms are ours because we're united with Christ. But if you don't know Jesus, then the rest of this stuff in this world will not satisfy. You know, It seems like we have a God-shaped hole in our heart or in our lives. And the only thing that can fill that is Jesus. Many people strive. I'm sure there's friends and family members you know in your life that strive and strive and strive, but they're never satisfied. Nothing ever really completes them. It's because God is that missing puzzle piece in their lives. Jesus must be the center of our life or nothing else will satisfy. And you know what? Circumstances, even the happy ones for us, can never replace that God puzzle piece 
that we have missing in our lives before we come to know Jesus. Before I pray, I want you guys to grab your connection cards. On the back, it it has a few next steps and some action points for us today. The first one is, hey, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus today. Bob, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm feeling a tug in my heart. I, I need to make that change in my life, and today's the day. If that's you, mark that. The same things are also in your notes, so you can circle them in your notes as well. Number two, I will be thankful in my present circumstances. You know we can be? We can be thankful in our present circumstances, regardless of the problems we have in our lives. Thankfulness is an attitude of the heart and of the mind. Or maybe number three is for you. I will remember that God has not forgotten me. Man, that's so easy. It happens to each one of us as we get into situations that we think that, man, God has just forgotten about me. Well, he has not. So you need to remember that God has not forgotten you. And then the last thing there on your connection card is I will count my blessings. Make a list. Maybe you need to make a list. I know a lot of people have to write things out. They have to put pen to paper and see it, making a list. And so if that's you, if you need to count your blessings, then make a list of the blessings. And you'll be really amazed how many things show up on that list. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. We're going to get ready for our final song. But take time to write and check your connection card and also your notes. Let's go ahead and pray, and then I'm going to have us do uh, pass the baskets. But I want to pray first. Father God, I thank you for for this teaching today out of Jeremiah. It's so encouraging to me, Lord, that even where they were at in Babylon, you still told them to bloom where they were planted and to make the best of the situation that they were in. And your promise at that time for that nation was to bring them back to their to their land again. I thank you so much for that. Lord, I don't know what it is for each one of us in our lives. I don't know where you have us or or where we're at and what you want to do with us, God, but I know that you're there for us. And I know that many times situations and things come into our lives because of the choices of others. Maybe it's because of our own choices. But God, you want to partner with us as we walk down this road, wherever we're at. You want to partner with us and you want to give us a future. You want to give us a hope. And your promise is to us, to each one of us, that if we seek you, that you will be found. Man, that gives us so much confidence. That makes makes me just think of how thankful I am that I know you and that you care so deeply for me. So I pray for each one of us that we can experience that in our our lives today. But God, maybe there's some of us here that, that don't know you, that don't have that relationship, but they want to have that relationship with you. Or or maybe it's a reconnection. Maybe when they were teenagers they they had a relationship, but life's circumstances have brought them far, far from from where you are and what you would have for them in their lives. And so I want to take a moment now just to pray for those individuals. If that's you, you just, you pray with me as I pray 
pray over us. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him. God, God I believe that Jesus is the sacrifice that, that I need. He's that bridge that I need in my life to have relationship with you. And so I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is the Savior that was promised. And now I accept that gift right now, the gift of salvation, the gift of my sins being taken away and not held against me anymore. And now I ask, uh, Lord, through your spirit that you would guide and, and orchestrate my future steps, that you would Help me in my decision-making process in my life. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Change me from the inside out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.